Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Hollywood Breaks. We are so excited to bring Corey Nathan onto our platform and have great conversations about what it's like to live in this new culture, the changing opportunities of the different platforms. Corey's actually on TikTok, which Keith and I don't quite understand, so he educated us. This and many other great things. So welcome to this episode of Hollywood Breaks and enjoy the show. Guys, Batman's coming up. This is going to be, that's a big, big weekend. By the way, Corey, I don't know if you're a fan of trailers and teasers or anything, but <laughs> holy cow, the trailer for Batman, in the, I don't know if you guys went to the theater, the, the theatrical trailer for Batman is absolutely awesome. I, I could watch that trailer every time I go to the movies. That's awesome. Yeah, no, there, there's that's there, those are only rumors that uh, I, I somehow am involved with uh, trailers and teasers and <laughs> gods and geeks and, and all geeks that stuff and whatnot. Yeah, Whatever. yeah. So, can I tell you something? I have not been back in a theater uh, since the zombie apocalypse started. I I just really you so, like Keith. Ah, yes. I held out until Spider Man, and then I got shamed in it by some of our listeners, actually. And you they will like, too, Corey. Wait, you ready? <laughs> you talk about this all the time, and you don't consider the biggest movie of probably the year and beyond. And I'm yeah. like, fine. <laughs> so there, there's a few reasons for it, and I'm, I'm I'm a terrible representative of the industry now. But um, the the main one though is that certain muscles, and I'm being very personally candid now, but um, certain muscles of peopling <laughs> just atrophied. And um, I, I've been in certain situations that I just had to get out of uh, my, my, my head, my brain was just tweaking out. Uh, I went into, it was actually a memorial for someone who died from COVID. Now at that point I was already vaxxed and boosted and everything. So it wasn't even the medical thing, but there were so many people in one space. It, it was probably a capacity of about 150 and there were 250 people there and I, I couldn't do it. My head was just so I, I, I'm trying to be discerning about putting myself into spaces like a movie theater, and especially for something like Batman, I would imagine it's going to have that you know opening weekend sort of vibe. I just I, I don't want I don't want to put my wife through it. Like I really start to freak out. But <laughs> <laughs> I know there, I we talk about the theatrical issue, right? And will theaters bounce back? And the greatest part about theaters is sharing the experience with others and you don't have to yeah. know their name or go to the movie with them. You just know that we're in a pop situation where the whole crowd contextually, like we're all living in contemporary moments. So contextually we all kind of get the reference of why it's cool and why it works. Um, yeah. And to live that out is so, so amazing and to live it out knowing that others have too is a pretty awesome. Um, but, but you're right. Like there is something that our culture has shut down for a while and people are going to be hesitant to try something new, e even if it's not a threat anymore. People you're, it's, I like how you said, like the muscle of pe other peopleness is broken. Yeah. But there, there is really no replacement for it. I mean, despite the fact that I, I don't know about you, but I got an even nicer TV and put in decent sound in our house, <laughs> but, but that shared experience, whether it's just, you know, you and your, your partner or you, your partner, and another couple, you, your partner and the kids, or, you know, just you with uh, other uh, unmet friends from the neighborhood that are sharing this experience. There is really nothing like that, uh, you know, and, and gosh, like even if it's, even if it's just at our house and we can get our kids to sit down or my brother and sister-in-law to come over and watch with us, 
you know, it's still not the same. You got the phone next to you. Somebody's checking a text and it's just, it's still just not that same shared experience. A bunch of us together going on this ride together or going, you know, experiencing this story together, you know, I, so. I don't know if you have a, I don't know if you have older kids, but like I, my older kids got into watching like eighties and nineties movies. Yeah. And they're ridiculous. Right. When you look at, um, one of my favorites back then, like Sleepless in Seattle, right? And you now watch it and you're like, what What happened? Like, even that, <laughs> like, what's going on there? But the rom-coms of the 90s were, were pretty amazing and they had their moment. And I have to try to explain to my kids, or what I often say is, hey, you don't understand, you know, what was the 90s were like. And then that I tried to explain to them what it's like to live in in that moment that this John Hughes movie makes sense or this you know, Nora Ephron movie makes sense um, that they're like, yeah, I didn't live it. Um, yeah. My thought is, is that we're currently not living it because we're not like we're all in our houses and we're all doing things. So maybe part of our experience will be when someone goes, why the hell did you watch all that Netflix crap? Because that stuff is garbage. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, you don't understand. There was this thing called COVID and it, was, it really ruined everyone's ability. Um, but there is something that we can relate in public, you know, and, yeah. and with people and the theater is a great place to do it. The conversations, the dialogue, the memories that are created, the things that we quote to remember from a film that we can share with one another. You know, we, we have to have something in our community that does that. I, I, I hope so. Uh, because uh, there is something to be said for historically and culturally contextualizing, meaning you know, to your point, you know, my kids, I have uh, a 20, almost 21 year old, an 18 and a half year old and a 17 year old. So we had this uh, stretch where we were watching Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink. Uh, yeah, you know, same thing. <laughs> good choices. It, it was <laughs> awesome. But some of the ways that even the the kid characters interacted with each other, my kids were like, that's just mean that like, you know, or or stereotyping or the things that. And we had to sort of explain it, but I think I think also part of part of what we are losing it seems like is is that ability to contextualize, to take uh, you know something somebody said and use it as a way to project everything else about that person that that isn't necessarily true, or to read a piece of uh, read a piece of literature and not understand who actually wrote it, when that person wrote it, to whom they wrote it, um, or what, what audience they wrote it for, you know? So I, I don't know if there's a way to recapture some of that, but that's to your point, like that's, that's yeah. what this shared community experience is about. Whether we're going to a movie theater or an actual live theater and seeing plays, musicals, what have you, and then going out to dinner or drinks afterwards and talking about it, you know, thinking yeah. it through and sparking one's imagination. So that ability to to think well, to think creatively, to so, to spark our imaginations is is really a valuable thing. It's part of being human. What do you think, Keith? Like if we dragged you into the theater trying to do Spider Man. Did you <laughs> did we break you back in? You yeah. Oh yeah. I'm I'm going to see Batman on Tuesday. And two years ago, I uh, wouldn't have done that. I mean, it it is definitely. I when I was watching Spider Man, I had a moment. Because when I left L.A., I was sort of like I had reached a point where I I was a little jaded because I was tired of all like 
you know, to be quite frank, working in the studio world, when you're a trailer at a trailer producer, you get one bite at the apple and that's your version one. After that, you're doing what everybody else wants you to do. And it gets, it is a slog. Let me tell you <laughs> until you get to the end, unless you let someone like a Tony Sella who just comes up with a version one that everybody loves. And, you know, unfortunately that's, that's, that's catching lightning in a bottle at, at times. Um, so when I left LA, I was a little like, I'm, I, cause it was a peek behind the curtain. I was a huge movie buff. I had tons and tons of movies when I was a kid. And then I left LA and I, I moved back to the East coast. And I was like, I, I don't know if I want to go back to the movies anymore. And then when I went to Spider-Man, I was like, aha, mm-hmm. this is what I loved. This is why I love coming to the movies. This is why it's just seeing it on a big screen, being in a giant theater, just to feel it. I mean, granted I was in there by myself, which was kind of cool, but um, as we as we talk about getting together in a communal experience, but I mean, I talked about this last week with the experience of Borat when I went to see it in a theater and the, at the Grove. Um, I've never laughed harder in my life because everyone in the theater was in the aisles in stitches. You watch it, you know, I watched it at home, not nearly the same experience. Yeah, totally. And I think that is what we're losing. And I wrote about this in my newsletter. Um, there was a, an op-ed written by the Harvard senior. Um, in the Wall Street Journal. And this is where this is where we're headed if we can't get back to community and communal activities. She was just shocked at how many of her students were so compliant with every little edict that was coming down from the administration. I don't want to get into an argument about COVID I protocols do. and all yeah, that. I do. <laughs> yeah, let's talk politics and religion. Because we're no, no, let's talk politics and religion, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh she was shocked at that, but what she also, and there was a paragraph I cited, she was just shocked about how many of them were so willing to just retreat into their screens and just not be social. And what she realized is like, we're not, we're at the age when we're supposed to be wrestling with the bigger questions of like, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want? How do, what, what, what does happiness really mean to me? Is it money or is it just checking off the box? Cause Obviously, to get into those schools, you have to tick a lot of boxes. You've got to please a lot of people. You got to please the, you know, the teachers who's going to write the recommendations. You got to please the SAT board. You got to please your parents. You got to all these things you got to tick off to get into those schools. And then once you're there, you don't know how to ask yourself the bigger questions because you're so used to just ticking the box. And she realized that so many of her classmates are just lost because they're not being challenged and. I think a lot of the ways movies can sometimes do that. They can, they can enlighten you. They can open up a world that you didn't know existed. They can get you excited. Like I still remember being in a theater when I was 12 years old, watching the the Brontosaurus walk across the screen in Jurassic park with my jaw on the floor. Like those are like magical experiences and we're not, they're not getting that. And that's why it's so important that we have to try to push things back to sort of the community aspect of it, because otherwise we're just going to be a bunch of automatons in our rooms. If Mark Zuckerberg has his way with giant, you know, remote controls on our heads, yeah. hanging out in the metaverse, which is not the same thing. It never will. Be. You know, um, Keith, you're making me hate Netflix even more. <laughs> the other really bad. Is that even possible? I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> The fact that we're really just creating, I mean, obviously creating that whole like device, you know, re- re- retract to your device mentality. Um, yeah. But I'm with you guys. Like, I think they're the film. I've 
I use the term dialogue, but I've learned so much from films. It's somebody trying to tell me something I didn't know. know. And then I have to start asking questions. What happened? Why did I think that way? Why was I prejudiced? What's my, what stereotypes do I have to overcome? Um, and a film can do that. They can give you insight into a, a, a different world perspective. You didn't, before you watch the movie, you didn't even understand. Um, and that's my concern is that if we don't have, if I'm not doing with other people and I have to watch it on Netflix and then I go to my friends and I said, did you see this on Netflix? And they have not seen it. Then I'm re-explaining it. And then they, they want to push me to some other situation. And now all these little bubbles that are happening just get worse and worse and worse. Um, so I, I, yeah, we got to get back. Corey, I'm taking to the movies. We'll go somewhere. <laughs> we'll go watch an animated film. <laughs> something easy. Yeah. There's got to be something. Don't watch Batman. Yeah. You're right. That would be a bad Just, one. Yeah, give him a slow roll. Get him back into easy. You know, like when there isn't, you know, go into like a, a mid-afternoon matinee when there are a lot of people in the theater. Yeah, yeah, something like that. No, I mean, there's there's movies out right now that I totally would have gone, made a point of going to see it in the theater. I mean, Cyrano, just the color and the lighting of that alone, would I, I'd want to go see that in the theater. And that's my kind of thing. I, I know there's a lot of uh, skepticism about the viability of costume drums, but I, I love period pieces. I love historical epics. I, you know, I just, I'm a sucker for it. Let's make yep. more of those. I'm the but same to, <laughs> to, um, to Kevin Getz's point, like, let's not spend $150 million making it. Maybe right. like 30 million, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Exactly. Isn't Kevin brilliant exactly. that way? I love, he's like, he has the perspective, like it's kind of worth only so much. You should be yeah. realistic on what you're going to get from it too. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, all right. So then did you see the Batman trailer? But you only seen it on your awesome big screen TV and you haven't lived it out in the, the- theatrical experience. And- you caught me. So <laughs> since I Corey, put- What's going on? <laughs> Since I put trailer geeks on hiatus, my consumption of trailers, teasers, and movie posters is is on a low simmer. It's not on like a Niagara Falls level of volume. So I just happen to catch them here and there. But uh, yeah, no. Well, the good news is they're not producing them like they used to. In the last year and a half, there hasn't been as many. So it's really easy to catch up. You just have to look at... you don't. You only have to look at half the Oscar nominees to really catch up. The other half is probably not <laughs> worth looking at anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I. But you know what I do see though is I'm on these other platforms. I'm on TikTok now, guys. So, <laughs> Whoa! So, so oh, God, the, man, Raven mentioned here. What's going on here? You don't go to the theater and you're watching TikTok. Who do you think I, you I are? Fun. A twenty year old? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying to understand my kids' world. You know, like, okay. That's fair. So I'm trying to understand it, there is a this ecosystem. Each platform has its own unique ecosystem. You know, the way that you behave and the mores on Twitter are very different than those on TikTok, which are very different than those on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram. And for anybody listening that's under the age of 35, Facebook was this social media platform before you guys were born. That no, I'm just <laughs> uh, although my daughter told me my uh my 20 she's almost 21 uh told me that um it, it's retro it's almost so uncool that it's cool again so so she she's facebook getting back is. on facebook yeah yeah is she facebook, also logging yeah. in on her computer because that's how we used to get on facebook was on a computer we didn't do it <laughs> right. via another device she has no idea what that is i mean <laughs> you know there's retro yeah. and then there's like ancient you know? yeah, yeah right exactly <laughs> 
not any more than you've written with a quill, Dad. We're not doing yeah. that anymore either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's Still. pretty awesome. I know the the changing media environment, right? The the different platforms, the different ways of receiving it, even just the we have to use the word content because we really just mean, you know, something that's being consumed, like a video or, or audio that's being consumed. Um, and the, because the formats are so broad and maybe even so specific to the individual viewers, it's hard to capture all of them anymore. Um, yeah, you must wonder what the influence is going to be in the future. Are there influencers in the future that that are going beyond just the the social media term influencer, where you know someone's leveraging their followers to sell, you know, I don't know some product, cosmetic or whatever? Um, into I, are there actual leaders that would move us forward? Yeah, I, I do think that the y- you can make an argument that the democratization of content, media, all of these different worlds is just sort of being, it's its allowing for the reshuffling of the deck to where there isn't just three major networks. Uh, there isn't just six major studios. There, There's, like I said, there's this democratization of media and content and storytelling and different forms. You know, three minute stories are being told very uh, crudely, very in a very rudimentary way, but to um, folks on TikTok, that just feels authentic and it resonates with certain audiences on, on there differently than this really beautifully packaged thing that we see even on Netflix, let alone NBC. So I'm not trying to downplay or, or put NBC—not that I could—put NBC out of business, but my kids don't watch TV. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're on YouTube, they're on TikTok, they're on all these other things. And where they might have been 20 years ago, spending 10, 15, 20 hours a week watching TV, uh, well, I hope they wouldn't be. I hope they find more productive, play soccer or something. But <laughs> um, but that they're they're spending a lot of that time on these other these other platforms, both consuming content as well as engaging with other content creators, uh, as as well as other folks who are watching it. And it's just a different. The, the, the that is mind. the exciting part: the ability to to collaborate with other content creators. That's the, right, the exact way of saying it. You're not just watching something, but you're equally creating content and giving it back to to the same audience. It's a pretty yeah. fascinating world, isn't it? Because because again, like I think it was a lot of effort when you're taking three quarter inch tapes and those. Remember in college, there'd be the three quarter inch tape drives, and you were doing start and stop buttons to make your video and. It just was hundreds of hours of work to make seconds worth of something. And today, you know, it takes seconds to make hundreds yeah. of hours of uh, hours of content. But um, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little bit of a devil's advocate here, but doesn't that just go completely counter to what we just talked about in terms of community? Because it encourages them to be by themselves and stare at their, their phones the whole time and not engage. And that's where the I think the community aspect is starting to get lost because they want to be on their phones. And I don't care how much you FaceTime. I mean, what if anything, this pandemic has taught us human connection is only really um, realized when it's in person, when you actually see the person. My kids finally, thank God, are unmasked at school. And you should see their faces when they walk out of it's a different world because they're so lit up because they can finally see the whole face and not just this. And just that little thing made that much of a difference. And yet where 
so much of what's happening is pushing these kids into sort of like this solo world where they everything is is so digitized that they never engage right it's great if you collaborate online that's great i mean it's it's a wonderful thing but you can't tell me that if the three of us were sitting in a coffee shop or in a studio having this conversation it wouldn't have a different vibe or a different dynamic yeah yeah that's sure but we're That's also fair. just three old white guys. Like we true, but I mean, I guess that, I mean, come on. That's, that's the obvious easy right. knee jerk. I'm just saying like there, there's probably, and I want to, I just want to say, I do agree with you, but I'm just going to play a devil's advocate here. Cause Corey's led Please. me, but the uh, <laughs> idea and the, the thought of like how community actually interacts and what is possible. I am not participating in that culture. I don't make TikTok videos and share them. So I don't even know the reward or opportunity that's in that. Um, I'm, I'm expecting the ones that what I'm used to, which is the face-to-face contact and, and what have you. So I am a church goer, I'm a theater goer, I'm a grocery store goer or whatever. Cause I want to be out there finding out where the people are. So what you both said makes me, I start to question myself whether I am lamenting about, where things, where I think things might be going, or if I can just accept what is and and live in the world that is, that's part of the, like, I I only say half jokingly that I got on TikTok, you know, but I I want to know the world that is, this is happening. It's kind of like standing in front of a tidal wave and putting your your hand up and saying, stop, you know, it just, (laughs) it is the world that we're in. So you can either ride that wave or, or you can get, you know, blown over by it. So I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to understand the world that my you know my kids are growing up in that they're going to be in at hopefully after I'm gone that or or just to be able to be a participant in it myself you know not not that I can change the world or or even have massive massive influence but if I understand the language that's being spoken if I understand those mores of of any given platform I might be a more effective communicator uh, with others in those environments, you know, and again, not, not to, not to have massive, massive influence, but just to have some sort of a voice. I need to understand what's being, what's being spoken, what stories are resonating, how, you know, how long, what do they look like? And I I don't know. I just, I want to be a conversation. That's all. Can, uh, can you share us your TikTok feed? We want to look what you're doing. I want to see you like, (laughs) are you doing dances? Getting uh, Russell, (laughs) getting Russell Moore to do about Bruno. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. it's all it's all my my politics and religion one believe it or not so uh yeah i i toyed around with the idea of getting our guests on that program to get up and do the cha-cha or something like that but uh so, some would play along some some not so much uh, <laughs> yeah it's all at tp and r pod so thank you for letting me plug my thing <laughs> say it again uh what is it what is at, at tp and r pod for talking okay. politics and religion podcast. Uh, that's good at TP uh, i i i would agree with you i think it is definitely very much like you're standing in front of a tidal wave to saying stop like it's just the world is moving in that direction however there are virtues of the way things once were and we can't just shove that all aside just because the phone is shiny and new like that's i there had I'm always a big fan of like figuring out a way to achieve the balance. Like it seems like there's always a need, especially in this day and age to overcorrect. Like if something is wrong and it needs righted, there's no doubt, but it's just like shoving aside everything that worked before 
and then just starting anew is never really going to turn out well. And I don't think TikTok or any social media has been an over, and I don't think anyone really argue. I don't even think some kids would argue that it's been an overwhelming positive experience for them. Bullying can follow you outside the building of a school now. Um, most teenage girls have serious body issues and depression because of TikTok and social media. So there are serious problems with it. Does it have some value? Yeah, perhaps because that, but just because that's the way things are moving doesn't mean we can't stop and talk and discuss what was valuable about what we, the way things used to be like going out to dinner every, you know, every now and then hanging out with your friends and not having phones, playing video games or, you know, video games. Okay, fine. I played video games. It was part of my childhood, but I, I just, I think there has to be a balance. And I think we've gone way to the other side and ignored a lot of what worked when we grew up and we've yeah, sort of like just given it all over to the phones and said here, I mean, listen, my, I'm not blaming any one generation because I've parents than my age, I've gone to dinner with parents who just hand their kids phones and say, you take this, yeah. shut up. <laughs> and it's like, do you realize what you're doing? Like, and, you know, I went to my, and it started to become a thing because I went to my pediatrician with my kids to get their annual checkups. And she said, what about screen time? Are you limiting their screen time? No phones, no iPads. Like everyone is starting to realize this is a problem. So I don't, I, I don't, I, I understand the need to sort of understand what's happening. And I think that's a really smart way to sort of engage and understand how the world and, and be a part of the conversation. But again, I don't think it's just, we just ignore what happened, you know, what worked in the past. Remember, uh, and Keith, remember when future. we would go to that large multinational corporation and pitch them things <laughs> and uh, they would, that would shall say, remain nameless. Yeah. <laughs> that rhymes with schmomschmast. In, uh, in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Remember that place? Yeah. yeah, I remember that place. Yeah, I do. Was, yes. uh, we went to that, that tower, not that tower in Philadelphia. Yeah, that tower, um, yeah, yeah. And they, one of the things they always talked about was how many viewing hours increased and they were proud of it. They're like, oh, we got viewing hours up. And I kept thinking, uh, uh, is that good? That's a good thing yeah. that people are doing less things that they used to do and more just watching, you know, what's on the cable box or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, it is. But we have, I mean, we are, we're part of that. We live in that, both those worlds, don't we? It, it, that's not uncommon given, depending on what industry you're in. I've, I've heard, I, I forget, is it, is it PepsiCo? Is that the name of the company or is it PepsiCo something, something, something? No, Either way, the yeah. CEO, or maybe she's the former CEO now, talked about stomach share. We want as much of that stomach share between KFC and Pepsi and Doritos. And we just want, you know, our goal is to dominate stomach share. You know, Facebook, they want to keep you on their platform or any of these. Amazon's the same way. Amazon's Amazon. the same way. Yep. You know, yeah. and if, if you're talking about um, investment advisors, they want a as much of a percentage of your wallet share, you know, to it's it's a it, it, it it's not unique to the entertainment industry or to certain you know a studio or a streamer that that's that's the goal but yeah. but i don't know maybe maybe it's just naive of me to think that my attention or my stuff it's not a zero sum game like I, and i'm gaining weight so there's more there's more room <laughs> you know for my stomach yeah, more, but more stomach i don't know i just i don't know how i'd 
if, if I was in that position, oh gosh, I don't know how I would justify it for myself. I, yeah, I'm still an idealist at heart, I guess. So it, it is a problem, but okay. So I need to say at the end of the day, I'm still like a New York theater stomp. So sitting in a 99 seat equity waiver production of like, you know, some Ibsen or Strindberg piece is that's my idea of fun. So don't get me wrong. I'm not like, you know, replacing that with TikTok. There, but I do think, I do think there's, there's, um, there's balance there. And frankly, when, when you introduce that experience to someone who, who didn't grow up in the New York theater scene, like I did, man, it's such a profound experience or, or when you bring that type of experience and, and the way that that can influence you and inspire you. And then you go back on your writing team for the next Pixar movie, the, the, the writing of Pixar changes and is affected and lifted because of your literacy with Shakespeare and Tennessee Williams and Odette's, you know what I mean? So I think it can all, it can all feed each other. Yeah. And that's what you could, uh, that's what I appreciate too. The, the multifaceted part of uh, education or someone's life, how clever other parts of their life become. Um, and we, I think we all appreciate that. And if I was thinking of my kids, I want my kids to understand how that works so that they are lever- leveraging the time that they have, which is probably more precious than anything to learn and capture a greater scope so that it influences their life and, and gives them yeah. um, opportunities or satisfaction, or even just expression of love, um, which is very hard to do sometimes if you don't have it, have the right inputs to do it. Um, yeah, but that but that that community thing that we have is the place we practice it and we perfect it and we understand it. Um, and I, I I love to think of just like how foolish I was in my you know teens and twenties and not understanding something, and then you know revelations that have taken place. You know, it, it, you know, since I became mature, so I'll say in my 30s, but like this, this understanding of like, oh, it's not always about black and white or one way or another. There's a sense of I can go deep, I can understand something, I can love them, and, and I can disagree with them. Right. Um, and I think that's a maturing aspect to it. And that's where uh, exposure, again, I'll say entertainment does that very well. A good entertainment does that very well. It has those conversations and those dialogues that we're looking for, but also, makes us kind of forces us to watch it together as consumers. And then we can share it uh, with one another. Well, that, that it goes to a point and now I'm going to sort of contradict some of what I was saying about the, the, the benefits or the virtues of, of all these social, social media platforms. Um, there is something that is pervasive on there. And that is the, the loudest, most extreme, the, the loudest voices, most extreme takes, most hyperbolic takes can often often take over an entire conversation. They often mute out everything else. And to the extent where folks who might have a nuanced perspective on a difficult topic are afraid to even talk about it publicly, are afraid to participate in a, in a difficult conversation about, about an issue that requires some nuance to understand it. You know, I'll just, you know, I'll say it here and I might get myself into trouble all over again, but I had what I thought was a, a, I wanted to get into a conversation when, when um, a bunch of our friends were were protesting at Netflix about Chappelle's special, The Closer. I thought I, I had some views about it. Now, the subject that he was that the main subject of his his special. I watched the whole special, and frankly, I was like beyond offended at certain points, and it was cringeworthy. And uh, but but 
I, I believe that f- the, the right to free expression kicks into gear when it's something that is offensive, right? If it's all stuff that we agree with and that's easy, you know, that, that's, that's not where we need the right to free expression. Where we need it is where we disagree about it. But I, I bring it up because the conversation that, that proceeded, uh, there were, I don't know, about 25 different people that, that had something to say or, or wanted to engage about it. And 23 of those folks, I thought we could have had a productive conversation, but there were two that were like, that quickly went from like, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't say that. It was terrible. He should be deplatformed to you're basically, you're basically advocating for violence against trans people, violence against marginalized people. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm saying. But once that was introduced into the conversation, and then there was this other person who was like, you know, put label me with the white male privilege and you have nothing yeah. to say and shut up. And, <laughs> yeah. and I like, yeah. I, I just have, I have no time right. for that. Like you, you don't yeah. know me, you don't know my, like I'm one generation removed from my, half my family being eviscerated the freaking Holocaust. Yeah. So like, I, I don't know, somehow that doesn't resonate with me and, and I have less patience for it as you can tell, <laughs> but the other one, um, but the other one, what happened was nobody else, everybody else shut up. Nobody else was participating. Now, fortunately, subsequently, I had folks that hit me up offline because I wanted to learn what was it like. I wanted to be in that conversation. I wanted to learn others' perspectives on it. I want, you know, a friend of mine who has a kid, a trans kid. She she wanted to engage with me and tell me why it was so hurtful for her that I even posted anything about it. I wanted to know that. I wanted to better understand. I had a me friend too. who pointed me in the direction of of a good documentary uh, because I, I, you know, I, it's just. I don't know. So I want to learn. And I also want to be an ally. Those are much more productive conversations, but they don't happen once somebody goes to child rapist Nazi, like right. th- then all the conversations over, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And you're, that's a, I, well said, because I think that is some of what we're all trying to navigate is, is it harmful to ask the question? Is it harmful to present the opposite side? Because that's where you're starting. You're saying, I don't really understand because from my perspective, this is what it feels like. I don't mind being wrong in that statement, but the statement is currently true. This is what it feels like. And to have somebody that would at least give you some compassion and understanding so that you learn from it and not be immediately offended, which I believe that's what Chappelle was doing. He was using offensive things in order to show you how it creates a trigger for people that go crazy. And he yeah. almost, he didn't, he doesn't want it. I don't believe that he's, I mean, I don't know Chappelle at all, but I'm, it didn't seem like he's saying, yeah, bring it on. I'm going to show you it. He's just doing it to prove how kind of insane a regular conversation is because like Chappelle, he says, I also have a perspective that you don't understand. And you're, you're removing all of my perspective to only have your perspective. And it's the same point you're making. You're like, yeah, but what about, um, I have, my family has a story that maybe you should know about. It's not the, oh, no, 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 no. In this moment, it's only about this one pop culture, you know, agenda. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, um, the, I, I found that his, there was about this five minute piece that Chappelle did after the fact. And one of the points that he was making was a lot of the folks that were attacking him and labeling him as this hate monger and encouraging violence against, uh, marginalized people. Um, 
didn't even watch this. They didn't even know what they were talking about because they didn't watch it. Watched it. They just yeah. heard that Chappelle is hateful. And he said these things about trans people. I, I, that's a good point. Like, mm-hmm. do you know what you're freaking talking about? Or, <laughs> yeah. or the guy that was like white male privilege, like he, he doesn't know. He doesn't know my, the reason that my skin is, 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 is a lighter shade is because historic. if I, I've done some research on my family, historically, it's very likely that, um, my my family, uh, they're, they're, the town that they were in, actually, so yesterday was the 100-year anniversary of when my family landed on Ellis. Excuse me, the 101st anniversary. It was wow. uh, March 3rd, 1921. Oh, that's cool. Nice. They came from, they had to flee Chernyovstrov, uh, a town in Ukraine, um, in, the, in the late teens and after World War One, through World War One and into the early 20s. Um, a lot of what was happening then is, it's not exactly like what's happening now in Ukraine, but it sure rhymes. It sure there's a lot of similarities there. Mm-hmm. But the point I was making is I should look Middle Eastern. The reason that I have lighter colored skin is because hordes from the north uh, rampaged through Chernyovstrov realistically. We could see where they probably went down. And my whether it was my great grandmother, great great grandmother, somebody was raped by a dude who was very light skinned. Uh, you know, so that's why our skin color. So. Anyway, it's a long yeah. way around the barn of saying, like, yeah. don't, fr- like, I'm, I, I don't want to pretend to, yeah. You, yeah, you're like, looking at the evidence of you something my... that's a, a gross uh, offense on somebody, not evidence of something that's privileged. Yeah. 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 So and that's, but that's okay. So now we're talking politics and religion. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You need yeah. to shift gears eventually, right? Yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> So, all right. So, tell us what's happening with you, Nino. So, uh, Trailer Gods and Teaser Geeks, no, tra- Trailer Geeks and Teaser Gods, um, yeah. are that's currently on pause, but we're going to bring that back, right? We're going to okay. get you back into the theater. We're going to start talking about that again because yes. uh, there's aspects of uh, and an art form that is uh, that is loved and appreciated, and the people that make that art form are not widely known. And I think your exactly. service that you were doing on that platform was to say, here's the name of the artist. Here's the work that they did, and this is the reason we love them and want to respect them. So we need that back. Um, and your partnership yeah. with the Clio thing was we got to um, get you some partnerships back too. But then the politics, and religion, um, you know, like that's that's so fascinating. I love that you dove into that. There's probably a risk factor. I looked at the timeline that you started it. It clearly was a time that the world needed a conversation, and uh, you can tell from you know just the conversations you're having there that you were actually have something that you love, have something you want to share and you have people you want to listen to and you're willing to expose yourself to, uh, to learn and, and be heard that way too. So uh, kudos to you in that process. Um, yeah. If I wanted, those are the two podcasts, right? Uh, talking politics and religion without killing yeah, so each talking other. Politics and religion yeah. without killing each other. Uh, Trailer geeks and teaser gods. I was also behind the scenes of producing another one for about a year called both sides of the ball. I loved that project. It was a professional golfer, uh, Bo Van Pelt with this really erudite academic, a great golf writer, uh, Pharrell, who just, uh, he happened to be African-American dude, lives in Harlem, and Bo is his country boy from Oklahoma, but they're really great pals. So the two of them oh, talking cool. about the intersection of golf and culture, especially when they started, because he started that project in June of 2020. Uh, so it was golf was almost sort of our our vehicle but the conversations often tended to be about really, really important things. And but Bo and Frel both are just awesome, awesome uh, people. So that was a fun project. And they got on some really interesting people on there. Uh, what, what's that writer's name? He writes for SI. 
who wrote um, Commander in Cheat about Trump's uh, cheating ways in golf. I, I forgot his name, but uh, we got some great guests on there. But it was always some. It wasn't just golf. It was golf and culture. So that's cool. I love that it. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what well, I'm drawn to. I'm drawn to having these conversations about culture that are hard to have among human beings. Interesting, to, you know, human beings that come to a conversation in good faith and, and goodwill. That's, that's what I want to do, man. We, it's too many folks who do have those most hyperbolic, uh, you know, ways of, of engaging that mute everyone else out. So I just want to take a little bit of space in the public square back for the silent majority, if you will. <laughs> yeah, like we, we appreciate that. And we appreciate you being part of this conversation today, man. It's great to have you here. We're going to have you back.